It's a great thing to be in church. It's a great thing to be around God's people. But let me tell you, it's a better place to be, to be in the center of God's will and it be difficult than to be outside of God's will and it be easy. The best way to live is being blessed by a holy and living God. I like that word blessed, don't you? So many people think that blessed has to do with possessions. I mean, if somebody wrote you a check for $800 million, how many in, in here would go, man, I have just been blessed? Okay, I don't see every hand. What if they wrote a check for $900 million? Would you say, yep, I've been blessed? Okay, I'm still waiting. How about $100 million? Would you be blessed? How about $1 billion? Would you go, yeah, baby, I'm blessed now, hallelujah. Come on now, we're going to have church this morning, but I got news for you. If you were, if you were given that check and, and put that in the bank and you never, ever withdrew a penny of it, that blessing would have no impact on your life. Ladies and gentlemen, God's got a blessing for us that's greater than a billion dollars or a check in the bank. And we, as believers, sometimes don't access it. He's got it. It's there. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to dive into some scripture and we're going to look in, in, in the Bible. And I hope that you have a copy of God's Word in some way, either paper or electronic or something. I want you looking in God's Word because we're going to be going through the Beatitudes over the next several weeks. We're going to be looking at what the Bible actually says because there's a lot of stuff out there that will make you think that these are just some ideas, these are some moral teachings that maybe you might get that big fancy car if you'll just live like this. I got news for you. That's not where this sermon's going. That's not what I believe God's Word teaches and preaches anyway. So we're going to be looking at God's Word this morning and be focused on what it says. Because I am here, like I said other, uh, earlier, I am here to equip you, not to entertain you. And if God convicts you, that's Him, not me. And if God encourages you, that's Him, not me. Don't give me praise. Give it all to the Lord. This morning, as we look at the context, here's what's going on leading up to chapter 5. We find that John the Baptist had been preaching, and he had a, a message, a sermon. It was a really short, one-point sermon. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was really short. And then Jesus came one day, and he was baptized. And the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And then immediately we find in chapter 4 that that same Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. In which Jesus fasted for 40 days and the tempter came. And then we find right after that in chapter 4 that John the Baptist has been arrested. And Jesus has then moved to his ministry to begin to preach himself. And you know what the message was about? He took a page out of John's playbook. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus began to preach that same message you can see in verse 17. From that time Jesus began to preach and say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' ministry has begun and as he calls his first disciples and he's doing ministry in Galilee there are great crowds that are beginning to, to come around him and to follow him. There are large groups that are gathered near him. 
So we begin with chapter 5 like this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And Jesus continues on with this sermon, but I don't want you to miss the fact that he went up on a mountain and he sat down. And then his disciples came to him. Do you remember what we see at the very first verse? Jesus saw the crowds of people. There was large crowds of people, so I imagine Jesus just, just got up, turned around, started walking. He walks up on the mountain, finds him a little spot. He just sits down. And as he sits there, his disciples come. Now, do you understand a significant point here? The disciples were willing to take the journey that the rest of the people were not. The disciples were ready and willing to hear from this man named Jesus more than all the people in the crowds. They wanted a healing, but they wanted a word. The disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them. And it's very interesting that the very first sermon we have from Jesus has this word to begin the entire sermon. Blessed. Blessed. What a very peculiar word. What a very interesting word. And we have ideas about what blessed means and what this verse may mean because you've probably, in your life, you have had people explain it to you. You've read things about it. You have a preconceived idea about the Beatitudes. But I want to tell you what St. Augustine said. You can see it in your notes on the U version or the, the, the fill-ins or on the screen. St. Augustine said, If you believe what you like in the Gospels and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe, it's you you believe. I mean, that's some truth right there. So what I want to bring to you today is what I believe God's Word clearly tells us, but I want to challenge you to step back and what you pre perceive and what you've understood, and let's look at this afresh and anew from the perspective of what it actually says. Blessed, very curious 
word. In the Greek, it's a very interesting word that carries with it this idea of happiness and joy. Outside of the use of Scripture, it is used to talk about the gods being blessed, that they are in complete satisfaction. They have no want for anything. But within the context of what Jesus is saying and how it's being referred to, I'm going to divert to to what I found in my studies years and years ago that set me on a path to fall in love with God's Word so much and understand there's so much depth there that we will never be able to mine deep enough to get every nugget. It is so deep. Here's what I discovered. Blessed is not a state of an emotion. Blessed is being fully satisfied. Think about this for a second. Fully satisfied. If Jesus is saying fully satisfied, I want you to understand this, that being blessed is a state of being before it is an act of receiving or doing. We often think that I'm blessed if I receive or if I do something, I'm blessed. What a blessing I have. But ladies and gentlemen, I believe Jesus is trying to get across that this is an identity we receive in Him, in this new way, this new covenant. There is a new identity we have of being that is being fully satisfied. See, the world wants you to be fully satisfied with your bank account, with the power you have, the family you you have, the people you know, the places you may go. They want your full satisfaction found in that, and your flesh desires that. But Jesus Christ wants you to understand there's a full satisfaction He offers that's outside the realm of what this world will make you think is good. Because we know life is hard. Life stinks sometimes. And we as individuals get puffed up with pride. We get puffed up thinking, ooh, we are something. We can do something. We know these things that many people may not. Makarios is the Greek word they're used for blessed. When I discovered, and I guess I was probably about 14 years old when I announced my calling to preach, probably 15, uh, somebody gave me a a Hebrew-Greek key study Bible. And I was reading through this thing, and I looked at this note that said, Makarios is fully satisfied. And when I began to read these scriptures with the words fully satisfied, with that understanding, it began to look different. I want to do that right now, if, if at all possible. I want, to, I want to take these verses, because the Word of God, whenever it repeats a word, we need to pay attention to it, right? That's all part of Bible study, observation. It repeats something, pay attention. So if blessed isn't happy, it isn't an emotion, if it's fully satisfied, let's listen. Fully satisfied are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Fully satisfied are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Fully satisfied are the gentle or the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Fully satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be filled. Fully satisfied are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Fully satisfied are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Fully satisfied are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Fully satisfied are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Fully satisfied are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. 
For your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you think of this word blessed as this idea of full satisfaction, you understand that the person who possesses, who is walking in this, whose identity is this, understands that there's power in Christ that's beyond this moment. That when they are mourning or whatever is going on, there is a promise coming. He keeps his promises. He's always been faithful and true and fully satisfied in those moments are people. Now that's one way, one idea, one, one way to grab hold of this. But I want you to understand and when you read this, this is not a list of what you are to do. It is who you are. Let me explain. Because this could be very confusing. Because you look at blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are, 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 are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, Pastor, aren't, shouldn't I hunger and thirst for righteousness so I can be filled? Shouldn't I be a peacemaker? Shouldn't I uh, have these things? Shouldn't I work to do these things? Don't get the cart before the horse. Because here's what happens. You be what Christ has called you to be, and you will do what Christ has called you to do. You try to do what Christ has called you to do without Christ and you being in Christ, you're going to be a failure and find yourself empty, find yourself enslaved, and find yourself trying to fulfill something in your life that you cannot seem to accomplish. So I want us to really latch on to this idea and just challenge you for a moment to think about the Beatitudes as more of who we are rather than what we do. So if you'll go with me just for a moment with that, I want us to, to really dive into verse 3. Verse 3 says this. Jesus begins his sermon with these words. Fully satisfied or blessed are the poor in spirit. He doesn't say fully satisfied could be or maybe or possibly be, but blessed are. That is a promise. There isn't an in-between. Troy, could you grab me a coffee cup real quick? I need a coffee cup for because I, I want you to grab hold of a truth here that is really good. Jesus is telling us, blessed are. It's concrete. As a matter of fact, would you turn to your neighbor and say, you're blessed? Turn to your other neighbor and say, you might be blessed. And then I want you to say out loud with confidence, I am blessed. Whoo, there was a lot of confidence in that. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ, you are blessed, but maybe not the way you think you are. Because when we look at what Jesus says, I want us to understand a concept he has here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does the poor in spirit actually mean? Well, when you think of poor, what do you think of? Somebody without a whole lot, right? The poor, they really probably can't pay their bills. They can't provide themselves for food. We read in Scripture where Jesus spoke to a lot of beggars. Paul, he spoke to beggars. There were people who had no food, people who were crippled, people who were outcasts. They would be laying by the road. Those who were blind, they were poor people. Now, you can look at this on the superficial level and say, well, Jesus is talking about the poor people. Or... You will see and look 
in your own scripture and see that there is a word attached to the word poor in Matthew that I want you to pay close attention to. Blessed are the poor in what? The poor in what? Okay, is S capitalized or lowercase in your Bible? Everybody has it lowercase. So it's not referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't poor. So it's referring to whose spirit? The one who is blessed. How can someone be blessed who is poor in spirit? Let me tell you how somebody can be blessed who's poor in spirit. Let me put it to you this way. Let me explain it to you and kind of get it to you in the way that God gave it to me years ago. That just gets me excited. Blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt. Think about this. Write this down. Number one, I am spiritually bankrupt. Now, pastor, how can I be blessed if I am spiritually bankrupt? Because, listen, you have nothing, absolutely nothing to bring to the table spiritually. Do you understand that? Jesus is saying, how blessed. There is an identity of being blessed when you understand you have nothing to bring into the game There's no way for you to fix it or be good enough or to act good enough. See, when people think that they can earn their way to God, Jesus began his ministry with this this message, this sermon, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt. Absolutely nothing to bring. Think of it like this. Here's a coffee cup. I like coffee. I love coffee. And let's just pretend Troy poured apple juice in this coffee cup. Now, how am I going to enjoy a good cup of coffee if, if it's filled up with apple juice? Or let's even make it a little worse. What if there's apple juice with coffee grounds in it? Oh, come on now. <laughs> Some of you know how nasty that would be. What if it's apple juice that's old with some coffee grounds in it and it's in my coffee cup? How am I going to enjoy a good cup of coffee? I mean, we got some good coffee back there in the coffee spot. We got some creamer. We got some coffee. And I like me some coffee. In fact, I like a little coffee with my creamer or a little coffee with my vanilla milkshake. Oh, yeah. But I like some good coffee. So what am I going to do? How am I going to enjoy? How does this fulfill the purpose that it was originally designed for to be a coffee cup if it's filled with coffee grounds, old apple juice, and... Somebody came by and uh, poured some buttermilk in it. Now, that's just nasty. Come on. There is only one way to enjoy a full cup of coffee. Do I pour a little bit of it out? What do I do? I have to empty this cup of the mess that's in it so that that coffee pot can fill it up with the joy of caffeine and coffee right there, right? See, you understand that concept, and that's the concept Jesus is teaching here. He's teaching this concept that those who come pouring everything out of them and understanding they're nothing, he's going to fill up. Do you understand? you got to be empty for him to fill you up. you got to be deconstructed for him to reconstruct you to be something like Jesus Christ. This is exciting, ladies and gentlemen. Being blessed is understanding we are spiritually, totally, utterly bankrupt. We don't have a thing to bring to the table. 
we don't read the Bible enough, we don't get baptized, we don't sing loud enough or on key enough, the band's not together enough, the, the, the scripture reading wasn't passionate enough, there's not enough we can do. It has to be Jesus Christ filling us up to understand being fully satisfied. Do you understand what this means? That when someone comes and they understand they're spiritually completely bankrupt, they got nothing. And when they are in that position, you know what they're in the position to receive? Oh, what? What? What was that? Everything. But look and see what Jesus says. Bless. Fully satisfied are those who are totally and utterly spiritually bankrupt. For theirs might be, could be, oh, it, if, if they go to church enough, if they live up to the standard, if they look good enough, if enough people like them, it could possibly be. Is that what your Bible says? It's not what mine says. Let me, know, let me point something out to you to observe. This verse uses a word all the others do not until you get down to the end. It's the word is. Is there some power in the word is? Buddy is my friend. This buddy. That buddy back there is my son. There's nothing that will change the fact that he's my son, even if he acts like a fool and pretends like I'm not his dad. Just in case you get those ideas, I ain't paying for anything else if that's what you're going to do. <laughs> Got to go get a job. <laughs> but he will always be my son. I have told my kids, no matter what happens in your life, that door will always be open. I'm going to be here for you. I may not like what you do. I may not like what you say or how you act. But I will always be your dad. He is my son. Jayanna is my daughter. Eliza is my daughter. I don't even know if that's grammatically correct, but I don't care because that's the fact of who they are in my life. There's no changing them. Jayanna, Jane is my wife. And I am, that's part of who I am. I am a husband and I am a father. And those things are concrete in my, if I die today, that's who I am and that's who they are. And what Jesus is saying is even greater and higher than that. When you come spiritually bankrupt, you understand you have nothing to offer, then you know what you get. <laughs> you get the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of of heaven not just heaven not just a shack on the corner of heaven not just built on the outskirts of the edge of heaven I'm talking about you get the what the kingdom of heaven so the second thing I don't even know where I am in anymore I'm just enjoying this second thing is this I have access to the kingdom of heaven today I have access to the kingdom of heaven today. Because notice, it's not in the future sense. It is in the present sense. It says, blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not shall be. It's here and now. You have access to the entire kingdom of heaven. Now, some, some have, have wondered, some 
great theologians and smarter men than me, why does he use kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God? Because other gospels will use kingdom of God. And, and you see Jesus use the word kingdom of God sometimes and the kingdom of heaven other times. And there's been debates back and forth. Well, Matthew was so Jewish, he didn't want to use the kingdom of God, kingdom of Yahweh. He wanted to use the kingdom of heaven. Well, was that, well that means that he's changing Jesus' words. But maybe it is that Jesus was using kingdom of heaven because kingdom of heaven is about a place. Kingdom of God is about a person. When you talk about you got access to the kingdom of heaven, you know what you got? All the provisions of heaven, all the power of heaven, all the will of God, all the power of God, all wrapped up in heaven in a place that you're going to be going one day, a promise of a place that you will be living one day when you come completely spiritually bankrupt. Y'all hold on for a second before I start preaching. Because this is good stuff. In Luke chapter 8, there is a woman who walks into the temple and she comes up to the front to give her tithe. And there is a man there, a Pharisee, who stands. I want you to listen. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. That is in Luke chapter 8. Here was two people, one who came beating their chest saying, look at me, look at me. I am doing so good. Look what I got to offer you, God. I'm tithing, I'm praying, I'm fasting, man. I, am, I, I got this figured out. I know what you want, what you don't. I've got it. And the tax collector's over there going, oh, woe is me. I have nothing to bring. I'm just a sinner. He went home justified. Ladies and gentlemen, as followers of Jesus Christ, which one are you? Which one would you fall under? There's a great hymn. Some of you may know it. I know Miss Wayne does. Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let me read to you some of the words that's from that hymn. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to thee fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. When I look at this first beatitude, I don't see simply something that you should put on your Facebook post or your Twitter or your Instagram, something you hang on a wall. I see something that you are. You are absolutely, totally spiritually bankrupt. That is before you know Christ, when you come to know Christ, and after you know Christ. Because if it wasn't for Christ, you know where you would be? 
I'm going to make it very clear. You'd be in hell. We are all on our way to hell, but Christ rescues us from that. God don't send us there. He rescues us from it. We're already destined for it. So we come to the cross clinging and understanding that we are spiritually and utterly and completely bankrupt. The kingdom of God, you must be emptied before He can fill you. And so what do we do with this? You have access to the kingdom of heaven today. You have access with the word is. You have access to know that the kingdom of heaven is yours when you're spiritually bankrupt. Because I got news for you today and you can, you, you can say your pastor said it. If you do not know Jesus personally and have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have no access to the kingdom of heaven. None. None of its provisions, none of its hopes, none of its faith, nothing. You must come spiritually bankrupt and broken. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. I'm going to flip over there because I want you to hear these words. Verse 14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. In other words, if you've got the Holy Spirit, if you have Christ, you have access to everlasting life and all that He is inheriting because for theirs is what? A little shack in heaven or the kingdom of heaven? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, you may be spiritually bankrupt, but let me tell you something. You have access to the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say I am blessed. Whoo. What must we do with this? Well, I believe we have to start with this. Knowing and understanding that without Jesus, I would be Nothing. Without Jesus, I would be nothing. I would be nothing without Him. And see, we get in the mindset that we are something because we've got Him. Now, we are a child of God. We have been redeemed. We are royal. We're holy. We're saints. There's a lot of things that we are. But we have to understand without Jesus, you wouldn't be any of that. We have to keep in our mind that we have nothing to bring except ourselves and to the cross to cling. So no one understand that without Jesus, I would be nothing. See, there was, a, there was an issue in the early church, even in the Roman church. Uh, Paul had never visited there, but over in Romans chapter 2, I'm going to read you some more scripture, where, where there was this essence that those who knew Jesus, well, they were kind of special people, you know. Kind of like the Pharisee said, well, at least I'm not an adulterer and a swindler. I mean, at least I don't steal from people like this tax collector. And here's what Paul says in chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? 
Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Paul is, in essence, in chapter 2 saying this, at the foot of the cross it's level and you have no right to condemn anyone around the cross because without the cross and without Jesus, you yourself would be condemned. So don't think that you're something special just because you know Jesus. There is something special about it because you have salvation in Christ in your life and you have been redeemed and that is special. But don't use it as a position over other people to think that you're better than they are. Because let me remind you of something. Without Jesus, you would be on your way to hell. There would not be a kingdom of heaven in your life. So we must understand that. And the second thing is this, and this is kind of odd and strange that the Lord laid this on my heart. It was over in my office yesterday. I was talking to Eliza after band practice, and, and it was this. Do not condemn, but share the love of God, the truth of God in love. See, we as Christians, it's real easy for us to be a little hooty-tooty to those who are acting like a fool. We get a little bit, well, you know, at least I'm not addicted to drugs. At least I'm not having an affair. At least, and you fill in the blank. Do you understand that Paul, uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 2 that you're doing the very thing they are doing? You are filling yourself with pride and arrogance, and there will be a judgment upon that. Paul makes it clear to the Christians in Romans, if not for Christ, you yourself would still be condemned. And we must understand that. Now, understand, I want to be very careful here that you hear me. Notice it says, share the truth of God. Do not back away from sharing the truth of God. The Bible says homosexuality is a sin, and it's a sin. The Bible says adultery is a sin, it's a sin. The Bible says that lying is a sin, it's a sin. But I'm convinced it is a sin to condemn people with that which God has said He died for. Let God do the condemning, the convicting. We just share the truth in love. Because when somebody comes to you and says, Man, I hear you got cancer. Man, I hear your marriage isn't doing well. Man, I hear your family's struggling. Those are truths. But they're shared in love. I don't want anybody to think that your pastor is going to back away from the truth of God's word because I'm not. But we as Christians have got to be careful to not think that we're better than all those who live outside these walls who didn't show up today, those who are living lives that are just ungodly. So ladies and gentlemen, without Jesus Christ, we would all still be going to hell. Here's another truth. They are still on their way. So what do we do? 
We no longer condemn them. But we love them. We share the truth. I'm not going to change anybody. And newsflash, you aren't either. But I know the one who when these people will come spiritually bankrupt to empty themselves of all the things that they've been pursuing and trying to do and they just sit there and let Christ fill them up. Then that which was emptied will be filled. That which was deconstructed will be reconstructed for Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we're blessed. Because we've come to understand we are spiritually bankrupt. And because of that, we have access to the kingdom of heaven today. Wow. The Beatitudes. I hope this challenges your thinking, your idea, your, the way you view this a little differently. Fully satisfied are the spiritually bankrupt. <laughs> For they get heaven. The entire kingdom of it, they inherit. Here's a challenge. And for many of us, it's going to be a challenge. Here's your seven-day challenge this week. When someone asks and says, how you doing? You know what we normally say? What is it? Oh, we're doing fine. We're doing good. How you doing? Fine. I'm all right. Here's what I want you to start with. How you doing? I'm spiritually blessed. Second, and you fill in the blank and be honest. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm grieving. I'm having a great day. Things are great at work. But I double, triple dog dare you over the next seven days if someone says, how are you doing? You say, I'm spiritually blessed. And fill in the blank. Start with that. Here, because here's the challenge. Your brain don't want to do it, does it? You don't want to begin by saying, I'm spiritually blessed. Because understand, when you say, I'm spiritually blessed, you are absolutely agreeing and, and absolutely confessing, I'm spiritually bankrupt, but I got heaven thrown in. I am spiritually blessed because I'm spiritually bankrupt. So there's your challenge. And it's not going to be easy for some. And if you choose to take it, I'd love to hear about it. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, for the truth and the depth that it has and the life that it breathes. Lord, I thank you that your word does not say that we have to measure up and dress up and fix up, but your word says to come and be totally and utterly spiritually bankrupt. Lord, I believe today that that is the key and the essence to a step toward having a relationship with you. We must understand we have nothing to bring to the table. Because, God, you brought everything. 
Father, today for someone who's been struggling, trying to figure out this whole relationship with God thing, they know that there's something, but they're not sure exactly how to make it happen or how it works, but they see other people with it and they've been trying and they're trying to look for it. Father, I pray right now that they just simply come to you and say, God, I got nothing else to bring. I'm done. Lord, that they empty themselves of their searching and they let you just fill them up. They come and ask for you to forgive them and take over their life because they have nothing else to give, nothing else to take. So, Father, today, may you work in the hearts of the people who do not know you. Convict them of their sin so that they will understand they are spiritually without hope so that you can give them the great hope that in that condition they get heaven thrown in when they have that relationship with you. Father, for those who have known you for very, very long, for years maybe, who struggled with this idea, Lord, may they not beat themselves up and become depressed because they're spiritually bankrupt, but they may, may they become overjoyed that Jesus said that I am blessed being spiritually bankrupt. Wow. And if Jesus said it, that should be good enough for me. It's not about what I have and what I don't, God. It's not about what I do and what I don't. It's about being nothing before you so that you can be everything within me. Help us empty ourselves out of the way this week. Our pride, our arrogance that we're something because we know you. God, there are people dying and going to hell. Lord, I know that without you, I'd probably be in prison looking at my family tree. God, I thank you that there was a day that I came to you understanding I had nothing to give. When I emptied myself, you filled me up and made me brand new. Let us rejoice in that, oh Lord. Lord, may you do a work in the hearts of your people right now and the people who are listening. May you transform them in some way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 